Blog Talk Radio. Tanya? This is Dean and Cam. Yeah, uh, Tanya should be on here with us. I don't hear her. Yeah, I don't either. All right, we're going to see if we can't get this rearranged here. In the meantime, until she can get hooked back up, because apparently we had a glitch there. Uh, I was reading the promo for this show, Mr. Black, and... This is absolutely outrageous. Why are they charging you? Um, um, here, she came back again. Okay. It, it. Yeah, Tanya, Hello. can you hear us now? There you go. I can. Yes. Can you hear me? Okay, yep. good. Well, I'll just start this all over again. <laughs> okay. All right. I don't know what the heck happened. I apologize I to my listeners you. and I apologize <laughs> to everybody. Well, good evening. Yep. It's Sunday, July 17th, 2022, and I'm Tanya Hathaway, your host. For time you talk through, your voice is heard and your story is told on Marty Oakley's TS Radio Network and Stephen Burke's 89.9 KLRB-FM Lighthouse Christian Radio in Oklahoma and the surrounding areas. Uh, Tanya Talks is brought to you by Marcel Reed and the annual Whistleblowers Summit. Here we are. Another matter that's absolutely mind-blowing, but it doesn't really surprise me anymore. And for those that are listening, it probably doesn't surprise you anymore either because There seems to be these patterns of things that continue to happen in Oklahoma where we could almost tell each other's stories. We'll be speaking with Dean and Kimberly Black tonight about their 36-hour nightmare, and they're lucky to be alive, that now extends into charge a charge on, on Dean that if convicted, Dean faces life in prison. Now, all we need here, folks, all we need here is transparency. That's it, listeners. We just need transparency. Sounds like it should be easy. Transparency is easy with Dean. Transparency is easy with Kim. Transparency is easy when it comes to the evidence or lack thereof it. Oklahoma, not with not with the police department, the Broken Arrow Police Department, not in Tulsa District. Nope. What we can say is we're really glad, though, that you've tuned in to hear this story, okay? Where only Lori Fulbright, Fulbright of News 6, she's on News 6, she reported this matter truthfully. And it takes Lori and us, alternative media, to get this story straight and to tell it like it is, not just what is being peddled. Okay, this is where your voice is heard and your story is told. And this is why we have this show. What has happened to access to true justice? You walk into a courtroom and you see these quotes. It says, access to justice. It sounds good, doesn't it? We have Richard Glossop, who's been given a date for execution. He's set to die. He is set to die. And he has yet been given the opportunity to present his real evidence of his innocence. Well, why is that? But it's not uncommon in Oklahoma. They'll kill him first before the truth about the botched investigation. Every now and then we might hear about a prosecutor. Uh, You know, there's one over in April. He was trading legal work. Uh, for uh, sex and drugs. Uh, his name is, oh gosh, what is it? 
Thomas, Thomas Geraldi of Joplin, I think it is. But these things seem to go away. These charges just seem to dissipate in the thin air. What about Judge Henderson, Oklahoma City, the, the, the judge that's known as the hanging judge? Remember him? Well, he resigned, okay? He resigned. But whatever happened to the scandal that surrounded it? What about people like you and me, people like you and me that are law-abiding citizens that deserve a fair shot at justice? And that's exactly and Kimberly. Thank you for coming on. Kimberly, thank you for coming on. I know this is a, a tough story to talk about, but if anybody knows about this case, it's you guys. You were there. You survived this massive three days, essentially, of stalking, of gunfire, of, of uh, you know, being in fear of your lives and your daughter's life and your daughter's unborn child's life. She was 27 months pregnant, 27 weeks pregnant, for crying out loud, escaped the terror, She so she thought. There was a pending restraining order on uh, the the perp who's now uh, in prison, Hayden, Hayden Payne. Is that correct? Yes. And he's serving eight years. But you guys are facing something a lot worse than that. So how are you tonight? And thanks for coming on. Thank you. We're so happy that somebody's um, somebody cares about our story and is willing to share it. Uh, we think it's really important that people understand that this can happen to anybody, anybody. And our biggest thing right now is that we will never ever call 911 ever again. That's sad. That's sad because isn't that what we teach people? Isn't that yeah. what we teach our, our, our children? You know, call 911, oh, respect the law, respect this, respect that. And here you are. So. Yes, here we are. Um, you know, we were told to call 911 and every call the police and everything will be okay. They'll come and um, get the bad guy, and um, they didn't. They came and they attacked a house full of uh, victims who had just Innocent almost victims. been murdered. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's start at the let's start at the beginning. Uh, when did this happen? Now, this we're going back to 2020. It began. It really began on May 11th, but um, and that was a Monday where Hayden Payne, my daughter's boyfriend of seven years, um, had um, kind of started drinking a lot and was having some problems, and he threw a trash can at her and hit her in the arm, and she said, that's it, I'm done. And he moved out, moved out to his father's house, which is two counties away, and um, she stayed in their apartment and he came back on Friday night, the 15th, to um, pick up some of his belongings that he had, you know, that were still there. And he came and he was drunk and belligerent. He was even yelling at neighbors that were playing basketball, um, some racial slurs at the people playing basketball and things. She was out walking the dog for the final time of the night. He grabbed the dog and grabbed her, shoved them into the apartment, uh, went upstairs. He was verbally abusive. Uh, They went onto the balcony. She was very scared, things he was saying. He was calling her names and just just really drunk, and she was terrified. And so she grabbed her purse and her keys and left and came to our house. This is Friday night, May 7th. May 15th, around 10.30. May 15th or May 11th? May 15th. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. When he realized So this had been an escalating situation, you know, something yeah. that was had turned and it was, it was the final straw. Yeah. Here she is, 27 weeks pregnant and... Uh, just too much. 
right. as it should right. be. Mm-hmm. Right. So he, when he realized she was gone, he started calling her nonstop. She, of course, wouldn't answer the phone. He was calling and texting, and the text messages were absolutely the most horrible written things you've ever read calling her every name in the book and things. And then he started calling me um, and texting me and calling me all kinds of names. He threatened her. He told her he was going to cut her to the bone. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And um, he started driving around the block, around our house, honking his horn. Um, Probably didn't get her to come out. Maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, he called me, and I handed Dean the phone, and he, Dean basically said, Hayden, think about what you're doing and stop. And then Hayden kind of made some kind of a strained growling noise and hung up. A few minutes later, Dean was looking out the window, saw him drive past the house, with his lights off. So Dean kind of thought, mm, something's up. This time no honking and lights off. <clears throat> so we watched for him, and a few minutes later he came walking up the street towards our home, and there's a uh, big um, street lamp, and he walked right under the street lamp. So he was, we could see him even though it was dark. We could see him well. And he had a gun in one hand and something else in the other hand that he dropped and bent over and picked back up. So Now, Dean, this is Oklahoma, so he's allowed to have a gun, right? You know, he's, Or does he have any kind of reasons why he should not have a gun? Let's start here. Like, did he have a record or anything like that, a prior record or no, any reason no. why? Okay, but I suppose if he's texting somebody, I'm going to cut you to the bone and, you know, stalking and back and forth, then it's not so good to have a gun. (laughs) Right, right. He didn't have have anything, any reason not to have one that I know of, but regardless, he, he was told to stay away. Right. He was told to stay away. In other words, Bailey, I, I guess in, in, some of that interaction that they had. I was, by the way, I wasn't aware of most of this stuff that was going on. It's kind of the mom and daughter thing. I was in the living right. room when everything started, and I, and for the life of me, I don't even remember Bailey coming in the house that day. I was working on a computer, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, I start hearing the horn honking that she was talking about, and I just thought, what in the world is going on? And so I went back to the back bedroom to talk to Kim, and that that's when I realized, I, I think it was at that moment that I realized that Bailey was there, and I'm thinking, oh, great, okay, what's going on? Right. And, yeah, so that's how that all transpired. Then now he's gone by the house. He's been driving around the block, calling, texting, you know, blowing up the phone, and the threatening messages and everything like that. Kim showed me. Kim showed me a couple of texts, and I just thought, man, he's lost it. And that was when I answered the phone. You know, it was on speaker, just like we are now. Mm-hmm. And I just said what she said, Hayden, stop. Think about what you're doing. Or, I mean, think about what you're doing and stop. And mm-hmm. he did. He just made this. It, it was a strange guttural sound on the other end of the line, and it went dead. And... Mm-hmm. So anyway, probably probably five to ten minutes after that is when this stuff starts happening with him driving past the house with the lights off. It was at that point in time that I even told Kim and Bailey, I said, look, he just went by the house with his lights off. And in other words, be on, be on the lookout. And at that time... I said he's probably chances are he's going to come back. I I went and stood out the front door and looked down the street. I just stood right out in the little covered area that we have there and looked down the street and 
I couldn't see his car, so I just assumed he's either gone or he parked on the side of the road out of sight. Mm-hmm. And it was about two, it was about two, three minutes later, we see him coming back, and he goes under the light like what you're talking about. And that's when I told Kim to call 911. Okay. And that's- anyway, it, yeah. And he drops the, and he drops, he drops something. He's holding, I, I definitely see a gun in his left hand, and I thought he was, I thought what he dropped was a mag. I wasn't sure what it was. Actually, that's what I thought it was until later, until later we realized that he slashed the tires and realized it was probably a pocket knife. Mm-hmm. And yep, so anyway, he slashed your tires. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we thought he was coming, we thought he was coming to the house. Meanwhile, I went away from the window and I went and I went in the closet and grabbed a shotgun just in case with all the other crap mm-hmm. going on. And we just waited inside. Kim and Bailey called 911. Okay. And, and, and how, yeah, how long was, did it take for them to respond? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, and that and there were that that call. I think it was like at 11, 20, uh, uh, if I remember the time correctly, it was like 11.23 p.m. or something like that at this time. And they told the story to the, to the, uh, dis, uh, to the operator, dispatch, whatever, whoever answers 911. And about five minutes, that call lasted roughly five minutes, and they were supposedly dispatching somebody over to check it out. He hadn't come to the door or anything like that, like what we had expected. We didn't know about. Uh, but he did send a text message. Yeah, he was he was still texting during this time, intermittently. But anyway, mm-hmm. then uh, about five minutes later, we hear some scratching sounds at the front door. And I call them scratching. You could just tell someone was at the front door. Yeah, it was like a rat gnawing on a piece of wood or something, <laughs> you know. It was just movement on the front porch. And Okay. And I thought, oh, he's here. He had sent a text message that said, so help me on, so help me on my life, I'm going to knock on that door. He says, I swear on my life I'm about to, he actually said, I swear on my life I'm about to knock on that door. That's what he said. Okay. Swear on my life. So, Not so we, thought it was, we thought it was him. Mm-hmm. Where's nine one? You know, where are the cops? So I called them back. They're on their way. They should be there any moment. She hangs up with me again. Bailey and I are in the closet. Instead of keeping yeah. you on the phone. No, they did not. <clears throat> yeah. That's strange because often 911 will keep you on the phone in a case like this, I would think. You would think, but they didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so. They didn't know. They didn't know the ETA, supposedly, or something like that. They didn't know. The, I, I don't know how the 911 system works as far as their offices. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But But anyway. Um, they they hung up or anyway that call only lasted I think 47 seconds or something like that and then we get a call back and the call back is from a 918 number and we don't recognize it we think it's Hayden Kim lets it go to voicemail and she has the voice to text feature on her phone she didn't answer right it right. goes to voicemail and it goes voice to text and she gets a text message or a text translation of the voice message. Right. And mm-hmm. the voice message is translated to this is so and so with the broken arrow or actually I think it said Barksdale Police Department. There's someone at the door. Would you go and answer it please? It's what, eleven thirty three PM May fifteenth. That's what it says. Okay. And she saw that, and that's when we realized that the police were here. But they never knocked. They never rang the doorbell. They never said anything. We could just hear them out there. That, and the it could have, yeah. 
if it was voice to text, she's, she's reading it, I'd still be afraid to answer the door thinking it could be Hayden, given all of his threats, you know, if he did star 67 or whatever it is that so you can't see what it is. But that was actually the police department. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was there. It was there. The, the, the callback that went to text message was the non-emergency number. Only we didn't know that at the time. We had to look it up after the fact. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I went straight to yeah. the door, and I said, police? And they said, yeah, open the door or something. And I said, and I opened the door, and I said, you know, why didn't you knock? Oh, yeah. She, I she, mean, she I really them out. She because cracked them out. We were terrified. We thought Hayden was at the front, on the front porch. Right. Right. So they came in, so, and we told them what was going on did, and uh, went outside. They wanted Dean to show them where he saw Hayden walking. And uh, it was at that time that an officer saw that I had a flat tire, and he just kind of mentioned, you have a flat tire over here. And I said, and I looked, he was on one side of the car, I was on the other side of the car, and I looked, and both of those tires were flat. And I realized right then he had. They were still going flat. They were still going flat that um, he uh, had slashed our tires. All four mm-hmm. of them. All four of them. So yep. later we found out that a neighbor who was sitting outside actually heard them but didn't know what it was. But um, Heard so being, who? Uh, it was a neighbor down the street was sitting outside right, with another neighbor. What did the neighbor think that they heard? They thought that they heard... Um, she said it sounded like when a sprinkler starts to go off. You know how it kind of makes a whirring sound and then it starts kind of spitting? Okay, so yeah. she heard the tires being slashed. Okay. Yeah. yeah she heard she heard the honking. She heard the honking and saw I guess they saw the vehicle right. go by too. Yeah. Okay. So But she didn't did she hear the police at your door at all? No. 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 Um, she, that, that's the thing too. She was, she was kind of freaked out by that night too. But anyways, um, neither here nor there. It turns out later we found out since that day with the uh, 911 call logs that, you know, we just described about the police basically standing outside the frigging door. They're loitering outside the front of the house. We find this out based upon the call logs that they'd, they'd been on scene for at least five minutes, and there were multiple officers, and from what we were told, I say multiple, there was five or six for sure. There were eight. But that by the end of the evening, basically the whole shift was over here. But these guys okay. had already been on scene for at least five minutes and didn't tell anybody. And for all they knew, Hayden could have been inside the house. He could have been anywhere. Is that right? They had right. no idea. They had no idea. Right. They weren't communicating with us or anything. So okay. Dean started filling out a um, I wrote a report, a report about a the compl- a complaint about the tires being slashed. And two mm-hmm. of the officers came in the house and uh, were talking to us about what had all gone on and told Bailey that um, she really needed a protective order, that um, this had escalated and was escalating through the week, and um, they recommended a PO. So we did all the paperwork, and at 2 a.m. on the 16th, so about three hours later, it's now Mm -hmm. Saturday a.m., 2 a.m., they got a judge up in the middle of the night, um, and he signed the protective order. Yeah, that was Judge Miller. And that was Miller. That was Judge Miller. Okay. All right. We've got quite a history with Judge Miller on this show, but let's keep going. Okay, I'm glad he signed it. That's good. All right. So a a couple of important things I feel are important happened with those officers here that night. They – I questioned them and said, well, when, you know, are you going right now to look for him and serve this? Or, you know, when can we expect that he's served and will somebody call us and let us know? You know, how does this work? And they kind of just 
said, oh, honestly, it'll probably be Monday or so. It's the weekend. and Unless he gets pulled over or something, he probably won't get served. Yeah. Unless Until he, Monday. Unless he gets pulled and, over and the officer sees that he's got a PO outstanding. Right. So they weren't willing to go to the other county and, and you know, where he was staying with his father and try to serve him or, you know, I mean, here, this guy is, I'm sure you told him that you saw well, him carrying a gun. Yeah, that's the thing, though, is they, they, they had the address and, it, I mean, it's only how many miles from here? Five miles? Four miles? Bailey's apartment is five miles. He was at his dad's. No, he was in town. She came over here. He was here. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was here. He was over at the apartment when it all started. So, you know, they had the address. They did apparently they didn't try to serve him. It's it's that simple. It's It's, only three or four miles from here. It's literally only about four blocks into Tulsa County from Broken. Or well, we're all in Tulsa County, but they gave us um they they said that um they don't work together with the other um, city officers, and that's not Mm -hmm. true. Um, We know that now Mm -hmm. that that's not true. But they were going to There's reciprocal relationships with these people. That's how you get things done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Basically, basically, I guess, the basically it's my understanding that the apartment complex was like three or blocks over the municipal line. In other words, between Broken Arrow and Tulsa, it was like three or four blocks. Uh huh. So they wouldn't serve him, but it. That's their excuse. So the other okay. part of this was these off these two officers were very friendly. They were nice. We had a lot of um, just downtime where we were just talking with them and even personal stuff. Um, and Dean unloaded his shotgun in front of them. And mm-hmm. they talked about the guns and everything. And they told Bailey when they left that she was well protected here and to stay here and do not leave our presence in our home at least until he is served. And that if he shows up, to call 911. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so it's Friday into Saturday. Yep. Yeah, now... Now, the the police finally leave at about 3 a.m. They finally leave at about 3 a.m., and I stay up all night. Kim and Bailey, they finally go to bed. I don't know if they get to sleep or not, but I just stay up, standing guard, more or less. And so I hadn't slept since basically, in other words, last time I slept was Thursday. Now it's Friday night. I'm up all night, about 7 o'clock in the morning, I start looking for car tires from Hibden car tires and spend all day changing four tires on a grand marquee. If you don't know, if you've never done that before with four flat tires, that's a job. That's a lot of hard work, physical work. Yeah, so I did that all day, Saturday. Meanwhile, at intermittent times, there were, updates and stuff about Hayden trying to get hold of her at work and stuff like that that I heard while I was my head was under the car and that kind of stuff. Um, she did not go to work because she worked she was a manager in a store in the mall and we were concerned about her going to work in the mall and him showing up in the mall with a gun. And apparently her boss called sometime that afternoon or something and said he's been trying to get hold of Hayden had tried to been get had been trying to get hold of uh, Bailey at work or something so they called Bailey and asked more about it followed up anyways uh, so we knew that was going on anyways around seven well it was about five I finished the tires Somewhere between 5 and 7 o'clock, I'm guessing. I have to go back and look at my notes for some of this stuff. But anyway, uh, we escort Bailey over to her apartment to gather some of her belongings because all she's got is what she's wearing on her back. Mm -hmm. And they go over there, and 
and uh, they call in a security guy from the complex to basically stand watch while they're getting stuff. I, I check the apartment to make sure he wasn't there. I come out and stand with the security guard while Kim and Bailey get get some of her clothes and toiletry and junk like that. That turns out to be a mess. And Kim and Bailey, Kim, Kim comes out at one point and shows me a shirt that's cut in half from the balcony. Um, oh. Yeah, he no, cut up her clothes. It, it, it was Bailey's shirt, so he cut her clothes. He he cut her clothes up. They've got we've got pictures of the of the clothes that were cut up. Maternity clothes with the belly slashed in them. Oh, I'm not oh, I'm not exaggerating. Scary. Yeah, that is mm-hmm. very scary. He had taken boots. Yeah, yeah. He had taken like her expensive boots, and the only thing we could think of was that he dunked them in the toilet. They were all soaking mm-hmm. wet and lined up in a line. I mean, this is weird stuff. Yeah, that's methodical. It's you know, it's yeah, that's very weird. Yeah, it was very he had very planned methodical. How he, yeah. And and he cut up he cut up her clothes and especially the maternity clothes. Dunks dunks the dunks the shoes or pees on them or whatever he does. And we managed to leave there without any incident. And then we come back to the house, and we think everything's okay. Kim and I need to go run an errand, go fix a, a, fix one of Kim's patients. She had a broken wheelchair. Kim and I needed to go do that. I had to fix a wheelchair that night, too. And so, anyways, uh, uh, we left again to go do that stuff. But before we left, was it you or Bailey? that showed me the glasses. Me. Kim shows me some of Bailey's prescription glasses. That was one of the things that she had to get out of get out of the apartment. And they've got yep. this waxy goo stuff all over them. And as soon as I saw those glasses, I mean it's literally literally rubbed the lenses out on this pair of glasses. Wow. Rubbed them out with wow. I don't know if it was Vaseline or lipstick or chapstick or or candle wax or what, but anyway, rubbed this goo over both lenses and I just thought, holy whoa. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. but Bailey was ter- uh, Bailey was exhausted. She had been very sick at her stomach. She was pregnant. She had, was unable to keep any food down through this ordeal, and so she um, she just um, she couldn't go with us to go repair the wheelchair. So she right. stayed here. Dean showed her how to um, use a pump shotgun. Um, no, she's not. Um, she has um, shotguns before, um, but was not familiar with the pump shotgun. So. Right. While we were at the lady's house fixing the wheelchair, I got a message from Bailey. We had to run back home. He had been trying to get in touch with her. I guess that he, we think he must have been in the neighborhood or something and saw us leave because it was almost immediately after we drove down the street that he started trying to contact her again. So she was terrified. When we get home, she's sitting in the middle of the living room floor with her back up against a piece of uh, furniture, sitting in the floor crying. She's, she was hysterical and scared. Um, oh, she doesn't deserve that. Oh, that's awful. Right. So we'll fast forward quick because I know this, this is a lot. So that night, um, Dean, you know, he was still trying to contact her. He had tried to call her 168 times. He tried to contact her. 168 times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he Mm -hmm. contacted her through. Tried to contact her through social media, through her job, through friends. So uh, we knew he was still up to no good. And so Bailey tried to go to bed. I laid around on the couch for a little while, 
I finally went back and laid on the bed. Dean was up about 4 o'clock in the morning. He came in and said to me that he was exhausted and that there was no way he could stay up any longer. And so he, and he thought that if Hayden was going to come, he would have already come. Right. So he laid down about 9 And all this time, you know, the police are not serving him the paperwork, you know, so not that paperwork is going to stop somebody from being crazy and, and you know, pursuing somebody because it doesn't always work that way. Well, but here he, yes, I, I agree with you. The thing about it is I, I don't know Hayden that well to me. He's mostly, he, he's an acquaintance more than anything else. And, mm-hmm. but, but I know he's not, to, I, I knew he wasn't, you know, I hate to be derogatory. I know he's not a total moron. And right. I figured if he got the papers, he would have had a moment of pause and cooled off because that's that's the goal here at this point. Get get enough space between them that he just cools off and it'll blow over. Right, right. When, when he realizes there could be consequences for this crazy behavior. Mm-hmm. Right. So on Sunday, May 17th, I woke up around 8, but just kind of messed around a little bit. Finally, at 9 o'clock, I got up, made coffee. I sit on the porch in the mornings, and I was sitting out front having coffee. Bailey got up. She, at this point, had decided she was starving. She really needed to eat something, and she said she was going to run to McDonald's and get something to eat. Did I want something? Somewhere in this time period, Dean got up, and he was watching a morning news show and getting ready to get in the shower, and she asked him if he wanted anything, and he said no, and so she went, ran down to McDonald's through the drive-thru. I... And, and just to interject right here, when, when, she asked, when she actually asked me if, she wanted, if I wanted anything for McDonald's, I, I was still groggy. I'd only been awake for maybe 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. And yeah. if so I had been... Here she is if, going. Yeah. If I, in other words, if I had had my wits about me at that time, I would have said, you're not going anywhere. But right. I, wasn't, I wasn't awake, and it didn't, register, it didn't register with me that she went to McDonald's until after she'd already pulled out of the driveway. Right, right. And I think yeah. at that you... point we hadn't seen him for hours and all that, and, and so we weren't we, – we felt like during the daytime Maybe he was getting daylight, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm sitting on the porch, and all of a sudden – I hear, I see her come down the street, and as she's pulling into the driveway, she rolls down her window, and she's screaming, Mama, Mama, he's here, he's here. I jump up, and I run to the edge of the porch, and she's pulling in, and he pulls in behind her from the opposite direction direction and blocks her in. He jumps down. This is in your driveway. Yes, ma'am, yes. And she had already tried to get out. She was going to try to get out and run into the house. But being pregnant (laughs) and everything, she wasn't moving very fast. And she was able to shut her door and lock it right as he got to her door. So he ran around the car trying to get doors open and yelling and screaming her name and stuff. I ran in the house and yelled at Dean who, like I said, was about to get in the shower. And I just said, he's here. Oh, my God, he's here. He's here. And so Dean jumped up and followed me out, outside. Um, He grabbed his forty-five out of the drawer as he went out because he knew that Hayden had a gun. And I was actually looking looking for the shotgun, believe it or not. But I couldn't mm-hmm. find it because because Bailey had it the night before, so I had to reach for a drawer. Bailey evidently took it to her room with her. Um, right. Can't blame her. She was scared. So um, we ran outside. Again, he's, he's trying to get her out of the car, and Dean yells at him and says, get out of here now. 
and he runs back to his car, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on here, but for the sake of time. Um, you have four, just keep this in mind, at this moment you've got four bodies running around like they're chickens with their heads cut off. Must have been scary as anything. Yeah, you got Hayden going one way, you got Bailey going another, you got Kim going another, and me going another. Right. Right. And we all and we all retreat back to the porch. So there was he pointed his gun at us and he backed up and then he pulled forward right in front of our mailbox as we were running onto the porch and pointed his gun down the porch at us and then all of a sudden he left. And okay. I looked over so at that point, no, no shots are fired at that point. No. So I looked over and I saw my phone on my chair. As as Kim was running into the house, she re, running to the house. She stopped dead in her tracks on the porch. I couldn't right. understand. In in retrospect, I couldn't understand it myself. But it was just that moment of panic. And when you hear hear what her voice sounds like, she was just totally I mean we're talking hyper hyper scared hyper bent oh yeah I, I, I can't imagine yeah and she picks she picks she stops dead in her tracks to get her phone from the from her chair right there on the front porch and I'm standing at the edge of the I'm standing at the edge of the porch and she's next to her chair and she's calling 911 and then we start talking to 911. Nine one one. So you got nine one one again. Okay. Yeah. So we call nine one one. We're on speaker, and we're on the porch, <clears throat> and we're telling them what happened Friday, everything that has transpired up to this time. And Bailey's telling her a couple of things about him and what happened, and all of us. And then you hear me in the nine one one say, "And he just drove by really, really fast." Because in that moment, we're talking to 911. He all of a sudden comes back by. Three and a half minutes later. And we had been on the Mm -hmm. phone with 911 for three and a half minutes at this point. Roughly three and a half. Mm -hmm. He drove by really fast, slammed on his brakes, jumped out of his car, and just started walking towards our house, unloading. So now he's shooting the gun. Do what? He's unloading. Yes. Shooting. Where is he trying to shoot? Shooting anywhere. Yeah, yeah he, he, that's the thing. We're all on the porch, and we're we're all on the front porch. I'm flying through the porch area. It's 19 feet. Well, it's 25 feet long and 19 feet of it exposed. And I'm flying mm-hmm. through there, and bullets are hitting the brick, and you see them in the KOTV video. The bullets yep. are getting the brick, and they're they're flying into shrapnel. They're coming apart, and the shrapnel's going up my left leg. Right, I saw that. I saw that those pictures too in the video. Yeah, mm-hmm. there were there were from my count. There's there's uh, from my count. There's seven and possibly eight rounds from Hayden on the on the front patio. Okay. Okay, and you've got the and you're on nine one you're on the nine one one call at this point. Yes. Yeah, the screaming. They can hear the screaming this is unbearable. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah, she she heard them, and she starts yelling shots fired. But we're running into the house. As we run into the house, we're falling on the floor. Um, right. We have three cats and a dog. Our dog was an elderly lab, and she was to the point where we were trying, having to help her get her get up sometimes. And so she was laying in the floor, scared to death, didn't know what was going on. We were trying to keep from falling over her and all. The, our male cat started climbing Bailey like a tree because he was scared. In the 911 call, you can hear him bawling. Oh, my gosh. She, just the, so we barely make it into the house and fall on the floor, and we hear more gunshots go off outside. Okay. Yeah, well, clearly a... he didn't get any sleep. Right. Okay. 
either so, way, either way, we're either way we're all inside the house at this point, and it, like I say, it's a to, it, talk about a chaos zoo. I mean, you got animals and people, right? And every, right. everybody's screaming basically. And anyway, uh, then as soon as we get in get in the house, I even grabbed the wall. I even grabbed the wall to keep from falling down because I slid across the tiles coming through. And while I was holding on to that wall, there was another four to six rounds went off. And at wow. that moment, I mean, I slammed the front door shut. I mean, slammed that sucker. I'm surprised it was – I slammed it so hard, I'm surprised it stayed on the hinges that hard. Right, right. So, so, so he we owned this it. from his car, or he's still heading towards you? Well, we can't see because we're in the house now, but he was walking oh, right. towards us the whole time. Now, right, mind okay. you, we, we all knew that the front door wasn't locked because there was bullets coming up there. Who's going to go stand right. at the door and lock it? Right. So Dean just got it shut. Actually, I, I mean, when I slammed it shut, I reached for the – I actually reached for the deadbolt. But anyway, if you don't know about Oklahoma earthquakes, we've had a few, and that that deadbolt hadn't lined up proper. But it wasn't lining up properly since the since the since the earthquake stuff. So anyway, deadbolt wouldn't go, and I was already hit, hit in the back, hit in the legs. All the all the animals and the, the girls are screaming, blah blah blah. And at one point, I even uh, at one point I kept telling Kim, "Check my back, check my back." Because I couldn't mm-hmm. tell, because I couldn't tell, you, I couldn't see my back. My back was burning. Right. And I had a round or I had a piece of shrapnel, Kim describes it, about the size of a pencil eraser that hit me right mm-hmm. in the spine, right be- between the shoulder blades. Oh, that's and, not good. Yeah, that's, like I said, I could see my legs. I could see my legs. I wasn't worried about my legs at that point. It was, it was what I couldn't see that was bugging me. And so I was asking Kim to check my back, check my back. And anyway, so eventually things calmed down just enough to to have her come over and check my back. And while we're standing there, all of a sudden Hayden comes back to the door. At least okay. that's what we think. Okay. And the rest is, yeah, and the rest is history. And okay. uh, anyway, opened the opened the storm door and tried to open the inner door. What I mean by that, trying to open the inner door, they they actually turned the doorknob. I could see it turning. Right. Okay. Turning. So let's stop here. So now you're thinking that that Hayden is at the door because last you saw him, he was heading towards you shooting, unloading rounds. Yes. That's right. So, and you were on the phone with 911, and 911 had not established if anybody was there yet? Correct. In fact, Dean said to her, he's back, he's coming in. Yep. Where are you? Or something like that. I know I said he's back and he's coming in. I know I said that, and I, and, and and there at that last there at that last second, I think I I think I said where are you or something like that. And what I uh, what I yeah, there's transcripts of the call, right? Yes. No, we don't. Well, have- we, I have a transcript of the call that I made. Yeah, let me put it this way. I have a transcript that I made of the call. Does that sound right? <laughs> okay. We do not have a full transcript of the call. Of the, call. the thing about it is, is that the 911's been edited as well. Edited. They edited the 911. When, and that, unfortunately, is not uncommon when records are edited. Okay. So you're not – so the transcript of that call is not complete. It's not accurate. It is not transparent. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Yes. It's fake. 
Okay. All right. So at this point, you think that you're on the phone with 911. You see the door handle starting to turn. Yeah, it actually turned. And you believe it's it's turned. So you think that this is Hayden. As far as you know, this is Hayden coming in the door. That's correct. After he's just unloaded on you. Yep. And, and that's the thing. We go back and we talk about some of the stuff that had happened over the previous days. Friday night, I knew he'd lost it. Saturday night, I knew for sure he wanted to kill. And, in fact, uh, the Friday night before, I even knew when uh, Kim was asking uh, or when they were talking to the two officers here, that were here, it was Russell and Pfeiffer. Is that right? Uh, on Friday night, when they were talking about the PO stuff, I was sitting on the other side of the room. They were talking to Bailey mostly, and they were talking about getting the PO and stuff. And and Bailey was being wishy-washy about whether she wanted to sign a PO against him. You know how that goes when you got a relationship yeah. like that. And I just told yeah. her. I remember I told her. I said, Bailey. He's going to hurt you, and he's going to hurt you bad. And the two the two officers looked at me, and they looked at her, and she signed. Yeah, that's good. So, that's good. remember okay. that from the time he started shooting us until Dean shot was forty three seconds. So all okay. that stuff that we were talking about, all that chaos we were talking about in the house. Yeah. That was 43, so okay. in 43 seconds, who else was going to be at the door? Hayden was, right. so, and Hayden was, Hayden, after I measured all this stuff off, Hayden was roughly 55 to 60 paces from the front door of the house from where he skid to a stop. So that, so it, it is reasonable to believe that is Hayden. So, uh, so let's... So let's let our listeners know, in case they don't know, that at this point, this is where you're accused of shooting a police officer that was allegedly, supposedly at your door, and uh, his name was what, Cody Stanton? Is Cody Stanton? Yes. That's that's, that's, that's the name of the fall guy, I think. That's the name of the fall guy. So let's. Yeah, you know, you uh, hear about throw down guns and bullets and everything else. I think he's a throw down body. And I'm aware, and I'm also aware that there's no no sign of him being there at all on the premises. But let's no. talk about talk about what you did when you believed it was Hayden that was entering the door. What's the question? Let's talk about what you did on a, you know, to protect your family when you believed that it was Hayden that was coming in your front door with a gun. Um, well, that's right. And that's and that's the thing. If you go and look at all the other reports, if, if you looked at the other reports that came out actually on May the 17th and May the 18th of 2020, mm-hmm. they all say the same thing. Hayden what did they back. say? They all say, they all say, everybody here thought pain came back. Right. They all say that. They even say you have the right to defend yourself. But they now put a, talk about oxyboron stuff. Now they say, you have the right to defend yourself, but you have to do it safely. Now figure that one out. I, 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 I understand. That's a direct quote. Right. Right. Did we answer well, your question? Yeah. We, only have, we only have a few more minutes for this show, for this, you know, for this show until we meet again on, on next Sunday and we continue this. But for the sake of our listeners, you know, I'd like you to say what you did and what strategy that you also used when you were when you shot at the at the door because you were not shooting to kill, you were shooting to warn. 
that's a doorknob yeah. for. Get your hand off that door. So he opened the screen door. The screen door is broken. It's very loud. He had to have been, he was holding the screen door open. She keeps calling it a screen door. It's, it's I call a it storm, a storm door. door. I'm yeah. sorry, it's a storm door. Storm door. And right. then he reached, right. he reached in and turned the doorknob. Dean thought, you know, that was Hayden, and that's why he yelled at the 911. He turned his head and looked at the phone and said, he's, he's back. back. He's, he's coming, coming in. in. Yeah. And there there's nobody no, that's saying anything on the other side of your door. Nobody's no, saying, there, please. No, there were no sirens. No knocking, no doorbell, no, no voice, voice, nothing. Nothing. In other words, remember what we told you about Friday night? The previous, the, in other words, about the 15th where we found out that they were here for five minutes apparently? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Repeat that on Monday or on Sunday. So it was kind of a repeat, I guess, of what happened Friday night. But so... Dean had like three seconds to figure out what to do. There were no, as far as we knew, there were no police anywhere. Right. They they did, and, right. and to finish this out, we know we're running late here. The thing about it is, we all walked around outside, and the last thing you hear on the on the on the nine one one that we currently have is, "Hey, you got the wrong people, man." An hour later, I was in handcuffs. And I'm going, what's the charge? You're being detained. He kind of jumped forward on you, but. Well, that's, the that's okay. Right. Well, oh, oh, Oklahoma hyphen criminal hyphen defense.com. Stand your ground, replace make my day doctrine in Dawkins versus State, uh, 2011, Oklahoma criminal case. And further expand the self protect, self defense protections beyond the confines of one's home. Okay, but. Second, there's something that I want to read here uh, that I had it in front of me as I'm quoting it, but I just lost it. Bear with me. I want to. I know we've got to wrap this up tonight, but it, it does stand your ground. It allows you to. I, I lost the exact paragraph that I was looking for. Dug on it. Stand your ground. Okay. Unlike the the Make My Day doctrine, which makes protections in one's home against intruders, Stand Your Ground doctrine does not require the person invoking it to be their dwelling, but only that they have the right to be legally present at the location of the confrontation. Um, Well, you were at your home, so. Yes. Keep keep this in mind. Inside. force against an intruder. The legislator hereby recognizes the citizens of the state of Oklahoma have a right to expect absolute safety within their own homes places of business or places of worship. Now, the right to establish policies regarding the possessions of weapons on property pursuant to the provisions of Section 1290.22 of this article. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say, actually, if you go back to the Indian Territory and Arkansas statutes that were in force in days of Indian Territory, I quote Section 1550, every man's house or place of residence shall be deemed and adjudged in law his castle, quote, unquote. It doesn't get any plainer mm-hmm. than that. And it says, one who mm-hmm. enters a dwelling house by force is indictable at common law. Now, it doesn't mean that you were not hoping for the police. You were hoping for the police. You were hoping for somebody to, to save your lives, to save lives, and to, to take Hayden down. But we wanted to go get Hayden is- in the street. Nobody, nobody invited anybody into the house, and nobody told us they were even here. They didn't ask permission. They didn't knock and ask right. nothing. Do you expect Hayden to? Right. No, Hayden's not going to knock, but the police should announce themselves, and we're going to talk about that due process next week. So I want to thank you for both for for coming in, for coming on tonight to discuss this issue where. If this is if this case is not dismissed, or if it goes to trial and you're found guilty, you're not. You're facing life in prison. So we're going to talk due process next week. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in tonight. I want to thank you very much, Jean and Kimberly. 
I'm Tanya Thank Hathaway. You. I'm your host of Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your story is told. Please tune in next Sunday, same time. God bless. Good night. Have a good night.